0: Brothers and sisters in Christ who was up early, fixing breakfast for their classes and preparing for baptism and preparing for this wonderful hour of worship. God made us as a body now turn all our attention, all our focus completely on you. Lord, this is about you. This is your house, not ours. Jesus is your Son. our Savior who is worthy of all honor and all praise. God, may we leave this place then? I'm different than I was when I got here because Jesus changed me. Father, bless everyone in this place today. Lord, may we leave this place with an excitement to tell the world that today is not just back to church Sunday. Every day It is your day, and a day to be thankful of. We rejoice in who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome this morning. Welcome. Aren't you glad to be here? Man, we were so geared up. Today is National Back to Church Sunday, uh, or in some circles, Amnesty Day. You know, you don't have to pay back taxes, and you just didn't come in for free. Aren't you glad that we worship in a country, and a God who is long-suffering, who cares there's freedom in Christ, and we rejoice in that. If you're visiting with us today, the one, the one stipulation to Amnesty Sunday, Baptist Church Sunday, is if you are our guest, we truly never want to embarrass anyone we don't make our visitors stand up or sit down while everybody else does i don't want to be focused like that but we do ask that you would fill out a communication card we want you to know we love you and we want you to come if god wants you here at east side and i can't think of a better place to be
1: than
0: the lord's church here in east side and so we want you to know we want to communicate with you let you know all the opportunities for worship all the blessings that God affords through this local assembly. It's a great day to be in God's house. And think about it. Everybody won yesterday. <laughs> now I only say all that because I heard someone say, you know the preacher's going to say something about football. And so we want to we want to throw something out. And so Pinewood won, Flaxton beat ECI. <laughs> hey. Georgia Tech pulled it out in the last minute. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Georgia Southern got off the skid, put it on. And that little junior college up somewhere around that point, Georgia won. Today the most important thing is, we can all be winners in Christ. He said that in Him we're more than conquerors, more than just a winning team. That He has blessed us above and beyond anything we can imagine. And I want to encourage you today, you want to be on win the winning team? Trust Jesus, the captain of our salvation. If you leave here today putting him first and foremost in your life, I can promise you that life will matter. I cannot promise you there will not be problems. I cannot promise you there will not be trials and tribulations. Matter of fact, I can almost promise you there will be. But I can tell you with all confidence that there's hope, there's joy, and there's peace that will blow your mind. You will simply surrender Him today. Your whole life, your family, your job, your school, everything. Give it to Jesus. And may we leave here understanding better just in Jesus' is. We're going to sing a song now and we're preparing for baptism. What a great, great time Jesus commanded That we repent, be born again, and then let the world know outwardly what happened to us inwardly in that change. And so this morning, we're going to be following in the ordinance of Believer's Baptism. And so we rejoice in that. I think it's a very wonderful time. Look, we can cheer when our team scores a touchdown. When we baptize this morning, let's cheer for God. Let's cheer for the victory in Christ, for a new believer. So let's sing, let's worship, and enjoy this great day in the Lord's hand. Amen. I stand to worship with us. Something Tegan and I talked about a few weeks back. Uh, she said, I'm scared to get baptized. I said, I get that. I get that. I've gotten that in my whole ministry. I understand. It. Getting in front of a bunch of people, getting wet and all that kind of stuff. I get that. Tegan's a baller. She loves softball. Great softball player. And I told her like this. I said, okay. Every time you get up to bat, there's a bunch of people around watching, you, right? She said, yeah. I said, well, think about it. You're playing an opposing team. Did you realize every time you go to bat, half of everybody there is against you? Half of everybody there wants you to strike out. They want you to get out and go sit back down. I said, but I can promise you, the morning you get baptized, everybody's going to be for you. That's right. She said, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and so even Tegan figured out one out. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: proud of Tegan. Tegan... Is literally more money, and uh, I love her. I love her family. And the testimony of what God is doing in her life, uh, I get to see it on a regular basis. Tegan, Did you ask for save you? So when you die, where you oh, going?
1: <laughs>
0: in obedience to the great command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Upon your profession of faith in him, my sister, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That your grace is all sufficient. Your love is never ending. I thank you for my sister Tegan. I pray God she'd grow up to be the godly woman that you have created her to be. You've called her not only to salvation but to service. And there's others today that as they saw this you pricked their heart and said you need to do that. I pray today to be a day of commitment, a day of surrender. That many across this place would see the courage of Tegan and realize, I can do that too. For What Jesus has done for me, I can stand up for Him. So Lord, bless this time. Bless the music and the message. And we praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, everybody stand and worship with us.
2: What a great song! And a follow-up baptism. Uh, A picture of where the grave uh, death was defeated, and God gave me life. That's what this next song is about. To worship Him. blameless, but whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith know him, and know the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. So you got Paul, he lists off this great list of accolades that he has. He says, I count it all lost, I give it all up to know Jesus Christ, and to know the power that comes through knowing him through the sin Uh, forgiveness of sin through the death, the burial the resurrection, everything that comes with that if you don't know about the forgiveness of sin if you don't know all about this whole deal where Jesus took your sin on the cross and died for you and rose again on the third day defeating death, I pray that before you leave today you know it and you understand it because that's what we're here for we're here to worship because of those things we're here to worship because of the price that was paid for us Um, although we weren't worthy he paid it because he loved us so I pray that your desire here, if it wasn't when you came in, I pray when you need to Him and know the power of his resurrection. So worship with us as we sing this next song.
0: and argued your point, absolutely know that you were right only to find out that you would studied the wrong material. You knew everything about the subject or you thought about the person, but that's really not the way things were. It has been said that knowledge is power. But this power can only be as powerful as the subject of that knowledge you hear what I'm saying? It's one thing to know all about history, know all of the stats and know the players' names and sports and all that, but what good is it if it doesn't further the Kingdom of God and lift your life up? God spoke through the prophet Hosea in chapter 4 verse 6 and said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge there's a certain element to the christian walk that sometimes i'm afraid we almost take pride in being spiritually ignorant and it's a way to justify not reading our bibles not praying and seeking god's face and learning from him He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Therefore, as you abound in everything, as you overflow in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you overflow in this grace also. He said there's an overflow of knowledge in the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth, with all their bad issues that we read about in 1 Corinthians, was a very smart church. They were well learned. They took great pride in understanding the law and understanding other things. Their problem was there's a, one thing to know it and another thing to do it. Well, today, as we look, you know, sometimes in life we have aha moments. You ever had an aha moment? You're like, oh, okay, I, I get that now. You know, it's like you sang the lyrics to some song from 35 years ago, and now with iPhones and Androids and everything, you can actually see the lyrics while they're playing, you're like, oh, that's what it says? It's like aha moment. You know, you're like, oh, I've been singing the wrong thing for 30 years. An aha moment. It's fun to watch kids, little children, they say that a child will learn more from birth to seven years old than they will the rest of their life. Think about it. They learn how to go to the bathroom. They learn how to eat. They learn how to speak. They learn how to walk. And a lot of their learning is questions. Sometimes I'm going to rename my children questions. Because, you know, they all go through that stage. Why? How? Why? Well, just because. Why? And sometimes you have to do your homework to be able to answer them. Why won't you understand today? The world is saying, Christianity, why? Jesus, why? Eternal life, how? And it's our job. It is our privilege as believers through Believer's Baptism. Through our everyday walk and testimony to overflow with the answers to the world's how and why. That truly is what an overflow of understanding really is. He says overflowing in understanding. I want to go quickly through a few things that we ought to be overflowing in our understanding with. First of all, we ought to know how to live. We ought to know how to live. Look in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. You know the story. We know about, literally, we call them the three Hebrew children, but there were four specifically mentioned in this book, right? Daniel, Ananias, Hazariah, and Mishael. Now that's their God-given Hebrew name. But we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and a Billy Goat. <laughs> and a Billy Goat. We're not real sure how old these guys were, but we are sure where they stood, aren't we? Today, this is to be teenagers, college students. It's one thing to be cool fit in, be part of the crowd, do cool stuff get Instagram pictures and have the most likes on social media, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to tell you what the world still respects. The world still respects and holds in esteem. They may not like you, but they respect a young person who goes against the flow, who stands for purpose. And that purpose is Jesus Christ. These guys did that. They did it in the same, look, I know, I know the environment that our kids in today is one of the worst that the world has ever seen. But it's not worse than what these guys went through. They were in a foreign country, under foreign leadership, being told to do things that were foreign to their nature, to their law, and to their God. And yet, They knew how to live. You cannot expect to go out into the world, all of us, and expect to do right if in the company of believers we do not learn how to live. So that when we get into those questions of character, when we face the temptations of the world, we understand who the enemy is and we understand what to do he tells us in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 17 as for these four children God gave them knowledge and he gave them skill in all learning and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams we know the story they prayed. they did what God said And because of it, the enemies of the world came against them. And they ended up both in a lion's den and in a fiery furnace. They said, we will not bend. We will not bow to your God. And they did not burn. Now, let me me tell you something. It's not not a real uh, fun and enjoyable thing on the front end. The temptations. The reality is, they were literally cast into a fiery furnace. Y'all believe that? Daniel literally was thrown into a lion's den. Let me give you hope today, okay? Let me give you a little understanding about living for the Lord. When those three boys were thrown into the fiery furnace the world says imminent death we've done away with them and all the trial all the punishment for something they had not done wrong they had done it right but when the king looked into the fiery furnace he saw Hananiah. Uh, he saw azariah and he saw he saw all three of them standing there in the midst of the fire right and we know after the fact it said when they come out they didn't even smell like smoke it did not hardly it didn't singe and eyelash but the really cool thing about this living for the lord this understanding is that they would not have gone through it when the king looked in and he saw those three. Who else did he see? He saw Jesus. He says, that there's a four. How many? You only threw three in there, right? Huh? Yeah. Yes, sir. We did exactly like you said. We took all three of them and we threw them in there. Matter of fact, we got it so hot that the guys that threw them in were burnt out. There. He said, well, then explain to me why there's four. And the fourth one is as the Son of God. Look, what looked like a fiery furnace turned into a very hot and exciting meeting with their Savior. Sometimes the deepest, darkest days bring the greatest light. Does that give you a little hope? What does it mean? To know that, look, it was not their understanding, it was the Lord's understanding that He gave him. And here's the thing, they understood in how to live for God, they had to be bold. If we're going to understand and overflow, then we're going to have to be bold, because I'm going to tell you, the world's going to challenge you on everything. I'm proud. I don't even know what school it was. I don't even know what state it was. But they told the school, they told the football players, they told all the cheerleaders, you cannot pray before the game. And those cheerleaders were so bold that they joined hands, stood in front of the entire stands and led them all in the Lord's Prayer. We're seeing that more often. You'll know why. Because the church is being persecuted like we've never known. But people are standing up and being bold. Young men and young women. Who are standing for the cause of Christ. They're standing and proclaiming. Jesus saved. And that's what we must be. Is bold. We must be brave. Look sometimes. it. It's a situation where you're going to have to go alone. I love seeing our students sit together. Because it's building Christian friendships. And they're understanding something about the family of God. Now they don't always get along. But what brother and sister does. Right? But it's really cool to see them all sitting together in the fellowship Wednesday night. Y'all want to talk bad about young people? I got news for you. Our young people at the church at Eastside Wednesday night didn't come over here and eat pizza and just play games and talk about a couple of scriptures, have prayer and leave. They got back here to minister. They got back here to serve in preparing to help Sister Sherry as she goes to Uganda. Students, I'm proud of every one of you for that. I'm proud of that. But there's going to be days you're going to have to go it alone. There's going to be days that it may not be that your friends turn against you, but they're nowhere to be found. There are times where God calls us to go it alone. There were days that David, his best friend, Ahithophel, and others had turned against him. His own son turned against him, but he had to go it alone. There's some places, my mom and dad's here, my wife, my kids, but there's some places they can't go with me. Because you see, the cross God gives us, the cross of Jesus Christ that He commanded us to deny self, take up, and follow him, cannot be toted by anyone else but us. Tegan could not have someone else baptized for her. It was her salvation the Lord gave her baptism. You cannot ride to heaven on your mom and dad's coattail. You cannot give enough to church. You can't attend enough. You can't be popular enough. You must go it alone. He has called us by name to salvation individually. We must be brave. And look, some of us don't know how to get this. This is not a charge. It's a plea to understand. In this knowing how to live, I want to encourage you, Chris. I'm gonna get down here because I gotta get here where I can hear myself say this. We need to know how to be blessed. We're all blessed. You know how to know that you're here? Right. Not in the hospital. You yes. know. You're not. You know. Wherever you're here, you're in the house of God. You're in America. You're breathing. And look, I got wonderful news. You'll be really blessed because when I'm done, they will roll them doors open over there. And there's a feast behind that door. I'm telling you, there's a feast. Visitors, guests. You're a guest. Don't give me that old southern nonsense. Well, I didn't bring anything. I got this one. We got plenty. All right? You're our guest. Stay. Be part of this fellowship. But you know, the Lord is much like that. It's there. I know it's there. I have not even been in the kitchen yet, but I know it's there. Because I know how our church members are. I know. I didn't plan. It. They came to me and said, hey, if we're going to have a big day, we got to eat. I said, hey, amen. I'm all for it. So I know they didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, I don't have time. I forgot somebody else will bring something. If a Baptist, especially an Eastside Baptist, is going to remember anything, they're going to remember to bring food. Well, I'm telling you, heaven's blessings are there. God's just waiting on us to call it church. Church, Christians, we're blessed. Learn how to live in the you know, we have something good. I'm guilty of this now. Some of you will be amen and shaking your head because you know i are talking right here. Have something good happen. The first thing we say, oh, Satan's going to be on the prowl now. What's going to happen now? Something's good happen. Look, stop worrying about that. Jesus said in chapter six, uh, chapter 6, don't worry about tomorrow. The evil of, of that day will take care of itself. Rejoice in the day. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy those special times where it's not so big to do. It's sitting out on your back deck drinking a cup of coffee on a beautiful, beautiful morning. It's watching your kid, even if they strike out, being able to walk on their two legs back to the W. Because they're healthy it's being blessed even on a Monday morning to get up and go to work because you got a job. Amen. We need to learn how to live in the blessing God has blessed us with. But then we need to know how to lean. My life first. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't do what lean not to your own understanding. I don't know about you, but I'm a legend in my own mind. Sometimes I'm I'm really smart. Until I say it. I'm like, well, it didn't sound like that in my head. You know? In my head, it's this very complex schematic of issues that I've got all figured out and planned. And once I try to Uh, articulated. It looks like a four-year-old trying to color inside the lines. And the colors not even the colors that should be on the back. And it's just like this. And it's a mess. We must understand how to lean on him. You want to get rid of some of that stress? You want to get rid of some of the worry? You want to get rid of the and turmoil in your home, lean on Him. Lean on Him. Once again, it's not a carte blanche, blank check, check that's going to make all your problems go away. But what it's going to do is make you realize that worry is a responsibility God never intended you to have. That God will see us through it all. God didn't remove the thorn in the flesh for Paul. He said, I'm going to give you grace sufficient. He did not keep Daniel from the lion's den. He brought him through. so many other stories. And we can relate in the Bible, but you've got those story. You live those stories. We've got to understand that we cannot... Look, we've got to trust in Him. How do we do that? We trust Him. He's in, not to our own understanding. So we've got to trust Him with our mind. Our thought processes must first, first go to Him. That ought to be the immediate thing that goes off in us. When there's an issue that we face in our life, the first thing we should say, what would the Lord want me to do? And you don't have to just ask it that way. Ask him. Lord, what would you have me to do? Ask him. That's what Saul said on the road to Damascus. I mean, most learned man of the day in the law. But yet when he met Jesus, he said, What would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? How must I be saved? What? What do I need to do? We must trust him with our mind. Listen to me now. Trust with your emotions. Because your emotions can overload your head. When we start thinking with our heart and not the Lord in our heart, we get all that to You hear what I'm saying? Oh, but I love Him. <laughs> and you can look at that little girl and say, Girl, there is no blood circulating to your brain. There's nothing you think you love. Sometimes we can get overly emotional. And we can show the bad side of our flesh. Some of the most godly people, every demon comes out from under every rock in the stands of a ballgame. <laughs> Boy, we, we think, you know, we can live for the Lord every second of the day unless an umpire calls a playoff. And then we, we, I mean, we go crazy. We must lean on Him with our mind and with our emotions. You know when we ought to lean on Him? Anytime. Every time. We ought to live for Him every time. It only takes one decision by us to wreck our life. Listen to me, young people. It takes one decision in the back of the car or when your mom and daddy's gone to wreck your life. One decision. It's not 15 decisions. It only takes one. only takes one. I've heard testimonies that say, Oh, but it was the first time. (coughs) They tell me some of the new drugs, it takes one time to be hooked. It takes one bad decision. One time to get behind the wheel of the car. under the influence. One time to say and do something wrong. To break up a marriage.
1: One time
0: to spend the rest of your life in jail. One time. Let us trust Him anytime and all the time. With anything and everything. That means you've got to trust Him. Not just with the things that's easy to get to. You've got to trust Him with the things that's hard. Because if you don't give him all, then whatever you keep is your God. That means your children. If you put your children before God, they are your God. And be careful. Please. I don't want to say this as a prophet, but I've seen it happen. I've seen young couples not go to church. I've seen them put their babies, put their children ahead of God. And I do not say this with any kind of pride and I pray it never happens again on the face of the earth. But I have seen couples lose their marriage, lose their children because they put them before God. I've seen people lose their job, lose their housing, lose their health, lose everything else because it was their God. Let us not lean and to our own understanding. But then look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus tells us a little about understanding. He says in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke, y'all farmers? What's a yoke? I know what it is, but... It's a harness that the animals you put on the animals to pull the plow or pull the wagon or whatever. You put that yoke on them, strap whatever implement device to them and that animal would pull. It. Sometimes that plow digging hard, boy. I mean, you have to whip the mule, whip the oxen or whatever to get them to go even harder. Because it was such a heavy weight. Jesus said take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. I think of the double yokes with a whipple tree. You had the double yoke that two a team of oxen would pull together Then it would come back to that whipple tree that the straps would be tied to it. The implement would come off of her. And usually, you take a young animal and put them with an older animal because the older animal understood how to pull that that yoke, yeah. and that younger animal would learn how to pull it alongside. What Jesus is trying to tell us here is He's carrying the load for us. We must be yoked up to pull what God has given us. You see, what he's trying to tell us is, he said, learn of me. We need to know how to learn. What God puts in us, in our head, in our heart, ought to overflow with the learning we have learned. What does he say in verse 29 we ought to learn? First of all, we ought to learn, he said, I am meek and lowly in heart. That's the first thing we ought to learn of Jesus, is how to have a quiet spirit quiet spirit. Now some folks can't even be quiet when they're asleep. But the truth is that's not what He's talking about. He's talking about the quiet spirit. It's not easily right. And they can be the life of the party. But it's the joy of Christ in them. You don't even have to quote Scripture, but it's just the presence of a living God overwhelming you puts a on your face. Have you ever met someone that had such a quiet spirit in Jesus? You knew they had problems in their life. You knew they had health issues, financial issues, family issues, but there was a quiet joy. You're like, I need to be like that person. I need that quiet spirit that demonstrates. You know what a quiet spirit is? One who serves without needing anyone to notice. The ones that bring food for funerals, the ones that make sure that the grass is cut and the weeding is done, the ones who make sure that the lights are on, and the ones who give and serve and make sure that people are called and letters are sent and people are encouraged. But you don't even know who they are. Sometimes I don't even know who they are. People say, "Do you know who brought this? You know who?" People? No, I don't.
2: And I would guess they don't really
0: care about you knowing who he because they've got a quiet spirit, but also a humble spirit. It's a quiet stream of pulling without running our mouth, doing what God's called us to do, gently and with humility. They got things Church members will say, Well, I'm doing it because nobody else is good. Quit. If that's your excuse for doing it, I humbly accept your resignation from whatever position you're in. Because God wants a cheerful giver, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's not just in money, that's in your time and your power. God wants you, but he doesn't need you. Mordecai told Esther. Have you not been brought to this place for such a time as this? But make no mistake about it, my my niece Esther. God of the universe, if you will not serve Him, He'll raise up somebody else who will. He don't need you, but He wants you. Guests here today, we want you. The Lord wants you. And I know that because he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. You say, you don't know what I've done. No, you don't know what I've done either. But the one thing I do know is Jesus died for our sins. We need to know how to learn about God's word (laughs) and God's will. We need to know how to love. There's too many in the world don't understand what real love is all about. Knowing how to love. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians (coughs) 3. He says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who the whole family in heaven and earth is name, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Now listen to this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, to understand with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of of Christ. Which passive knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. If I were to hold the believers here today and ask you what's the greatest thing you've ever learned, I have no doubt in my mind, without hesitation to say to know Jesus loves me. And to be able to love others with the love He's given us." Because I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's hard to love people. It he? I heard a pastor one time say, you know, if it wasn't for people, church would be a great place to work. <laughs> but without people, you don't have a church. Without pastors, church would be a great place to go. We'd sing some songs. We wouldn't even mind the offering as much. We could dismiss it and let it be beaten. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> We've got to learn how to love. I had a neighbor one time that it got to the point I said, "God, I don't love you, and I know that's wrong, but I'm as honest as I know how, God. I believe you want me to come to you with prayers and supplication, with all honesty. God, I cannot love you, but I believe you can love me through." I need your strength. Because he is as bad as former and useless as anybody I've ever met in my life. That wasn't a class when I was. God had to tender my heart before I could love him. Because, you see, I was reminded these people don't love me. These people don't even like me. When we understand that, because we all in our mind think, well, everybody loves me. I
1: mean, what is there not to love?
0: Then you're reminded some days how much you're not loved. But let us not forget Jesus understands that. And you love them anyway. What's the first thing Jesus said from the cross? Forgive me, Father. They know not what they did. What a great example. Because you see, when we learn how to love and we overflow, it will overflow in a power. He said it goes beyond our knowledge. We will be able to look. Look, when you love somebody that knows they're unlovable, it will blow their mind. They won't know how to respond. You want to shut down a grudge? You want to shut down an argument? You want to shut down a rivalry? Love them. And let them know you love them. Now, don't use this as your motivation, but the Bible says when they come against you, if you'll just give them a kind word, show them some love, it will be as heaps of hot coals upon their head. So don't go in there and say, God, I'm going to be real kind to them, so can you just dump it on me? <laughs> that's, that's not exactly what I think the motivation should be. But the truth is that they can't stand it. And you know what will happen sometimes? They'll say, why do you love
1: me?
0: I've been hateful to you. I've been disrespectful to you. Why? How can you love me when I've done what I've done? Because Jesus, for Christ's sake, loved me. And through Him, I love Him. That's how you win the world of Christ. Love Him. With power. With presence, with a perfecting love. And what I mean, when God's love is poured into us, it will begin to permeate us. It will begin to soak into the very fiber of our being and our everyday life. To where we walk in His love. We don't wait until the situation pops up. And then we pray and muster up some love. We wake up loving and loving. Well, maybe most of the time but we learn how to love. And it carries over. So we're not surprised when the world comes against us. Let me conclude. Today, if we're going to overflow in understanding, we need to know how to live. We need to understand how to lean and to learn. We must understand His love for us and how to love others. Ultimately, as Matt read this morning in Philippians, we need to know and overflow in an understanding of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know. About. It's one thing to understand that there was this man named Jesus, he was a really good guy. They wrote about it in history and he had his cats that followed him. And they started this world movement. It's bigger than that. It's more than death than that. And he tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, what things were gained in me I count as loss. Yes, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. You know today you could lose... As Joe did. You can lose your spouse. You can lose your home. You can lose your children. You can lose your well-being. You can lose your health. You can lose your welfare. But the one thing that Satan in this world cannot take away from us is the love of Christ in us. Amen. That's excellent. It's 10 say most excellent. Now y'all have to be a movie fan to understand it. Silent Don't even love. Because God's love is most excellent. It's not just really good. It's not really cool. It is excellent. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and who count them dumb that I may win Christ. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, not by faith, listen, that I may know Him. And in knowing Him, I know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Listen, when we know Christ, we understand His death for sin, our death to sin. His life, for us, our life, to Him. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. Are you overflowing in the understanding that Jesus is? Do you get the fact that Jesus loves you Do you truly believe in your understanding that He is God who created the universe? And when man messed it up, He sent His Son to redeem it? Because you see, Job understood that. Because this is what he said, I know My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. Church, we've got to answer the question. Do you know him? Do you know him as Savior? Now listen, no moving around. We're going to have prayer in this moment. We're going to eat, fellowship, and do all of that. But right now, on Back to Church Sunday, with 2.30 in Sunday school. Praise with God. Y'all, it looks like about the same crowd as last week, right? <clears throat> no. There's about between 50 and 80 more cheers out today. Amen. With all that being said, as great and wonderful as the music was, this is what today's about, right here, right now. Before I walk back out from after baptism, Brother Mike and I stood back there. When we both agreed in prayer that God would overwhelm our lives during this moment, right here, right now. Right. This is when it counts. Church, I know some of you are guests today, but can I tell you, God has brought you today. You say, well, it's because a friend of mine invited me." Well, that may be the original reason. But if there was not a stirring in your life, you wouldn't have come today. You're here because you want to, because you know you need something. What you need is Jesus. Now, this goes for church members as well as guests. If you're here today, you have never acknowledged the fact that you were born a sinner. That you will die in your condemnation being eternally separated from God, if you do not repent of your sins and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, I've got wonderful news. The Bible says today is your day of salvation. Today is the day. And so in just a moment, Matt's coming. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. Please, no moving around. Please, I beg you, realize that there are people around you right now that need to make a decision for Christ. And your actions may inhibit their response to the Holy Spirit. And right now, the Holy Spirit is calling you to repentance. I'm going to be here. Chad, i want you to stand right here beside me. He's going to pray with you if you would like. There's going to be others. Mike's up here. Michelle's up here. Pam's up here. Others who will pray with you if you come. Church, anybody that comes, I don't care church member or not, I don't want anybody to have to pray by themselves. Let's understand something about this love. Let's understand something about God answering prayer. If you need to come and say, I've been saved, I'm going to heaven, but I've been scared of that baptistry just like you talked about, but I get today I need to stand up for Him because He died for me. You Come. If Eastside is where God wants you to be, if you know this is where your family belongs, you come take me by the hand and say, we want to be part of the body of believers at (laughs) Eastside. Whatever you need to do, come give it to Him and say, God, increase my understanding. May I know you in the power of your resurrection. So right now, here, quietly, reverently, be you if you need to come, make it one motion. If you stand, just come to the altar. So right now, stand and come. Come, right now. Come, without hesitation. <laughs> I encourage you come to come and pray right now. There's some way that you know you want to get rid of it. Well, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Bring it and just leave it at the altar. This, these two families have done that. And we're thrilled we have the Hendrix family with us, Billy, and Tara, and of course, they joined this morning through baptism. Uh, but they want to join today, uh, and we're just thrilled to have them. And then we have the big nieces, Carrie, and Alan, and Carla, and uh, Smalls, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Brandon. I forgot Brandon back here. Hyde, and Kaylin, and uh, they want to join our service too. They're dear friends of mine and uh, they've been tremendous friends. All and I met, right off of the bat, uh, he's a volunteer firefighter. And Karen, everybody knows Karen. Uh, she's just such an encouragement. and uh, we just love him. And Billy and Tara uh, put up with my daughter about half the time, but uh, what a joy to have him come and be part of it family of God at Eastside, and what a very valuable part they will be as we continue to grow the kingdom of God and serve the Lord for great gladness. Anything else this morning? Anyone else have a word that you need to share? All right, well, in just a moment, Chad's going to uh, dismiss us from worship and, and prayer. He's also going to ask God's blessing on the food. Uh, Miss Penny has asked me to uh, ask everyone just to mingle, hug each other's neck and tell each other how pretty they are and all that kind of stuff. And uh, while they get everything ready, and uh, we'll get a bachelor's roll back out of the way and the games of heaven will roll up over there and all the food will be ready. So uh, just wait just a few minutes before we get ready. Yes, yeah, someone has... <coughs> The tickets, that's right. Miss Sherry, uh, Miss Sherry's is ready to go back to Uganda. She's not going to Uganda, she's going back. She's already been there. God has, there's a hole that Uganda has filled in God's call on her life. And uh, so one way to raise funds, her trip is for. She made that vividly clear from the very start. They're raising all the money to uh, help out sewing machines and all kinds of materials to help these young mothers uh, that are single mothers and uh, widows. And just You cannot imagine the turmoil. And so we want to be the hands of and feet of Jesus and help her help them. And so next Sunday, after the Sunday morning service, uh, they're going to have spaghetti dinner place. And so you can buy your tickets back there this morning. You say, I don't like spaghetti. That's all right, I'm going bill build. <laughs> and like, that'll work, come on. that'll work. <coughs> so yeah, that, that'll work fine. But we need to know for next week, I know babies are notorious about waiting the last minute. And I'm sure they'll have some prepared, but please try to help them out by going ahead and buying your tickets today. So that they'll know how to prepare for next week. So, uh, anything else? Can I get all that? Anything else? Uh, Matt,
2: sir? Uh, Set up. Okay.
0: We have, what we got back there? Before we dismiss, uh, Ms. Becky, if you're going to hear about that, I'm happy to Baptist Church. Ms. Sue Garcia.
1: I don't know how many of you have looked on the back of your bulletins this morning. I think that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Now, Miss Becky hasn't changed that much, but Brother Matt gets a little wet behind the ears. I'm
0: actually real facial hair
1: And they are celebrating their 25th
0: wedding anniversary. I think it's Tuesday. They will be here. They'll be yeah, going don't call. They're getting on plane going to Puerto Rico. Tomorrow? Is it tomorrow?
1: It is tomorrow morning, about 6 30, a.m. And while we couldn't, be a, couldn't go with them, they wouldn't let us invite us to go <laughs> with them. We want to be a part of the celebration. And we love you, Eastside. Oh, thank and you. DJ, your Sunday school classmates, yeah, of course, Allie and Peyton, for <laughs> delivering. <with laughs> Happy 25th anniversary. That is beautiful. Thank
0: you. Happy anniversary. I'm <laughs> not <laughs>